Welcome to the Mindful Mondays podcast, weekly reflections and meditations to start your week right. With your host, author, meditator and founder of Mind, Body and Spirit Entrepreneur, Rachel Thompson. Good morning, meditators, and welcome to this week's episode of the Mindful Mondays podcast. If you are just checking us out, this is a weekly podcast with both a reflection episode and a meditation episode to help you set daily and weekly intentions so that you can go through your life in a happy, loving, and mindful state. In this entire month, we have focused on love. Loving ourselves, loving one another, finding work that we love, even when it's difficult. And I want to tie everything together in today's episode and talk about how we can all stay in a high vibration of love, in that mental state of love always. How we can love when we are in pain, how we can love when we are frustrated or sad, or even when we do not feel that love being returned. When you can learn to bring your vibration, your energy, your focus back to love, it will help transform your life, especially when we're facing difficulties. If you can learn to love through difficult times, you will find an inner peace and inner bliss and inner knowing that all will be well. By choosing love, we naturally heal. So whether you wish to heal from old hurts, from negative thinking, and even physical ailments, of course, along with proper medical care, love has been shown to be the path to all of this. And so that's what I want to focus on on this last episode that we are going to address love. And I want to start with a quote from James Allen, which states, You are today where your thoughts have brought you. You will be tomorrow where your thoughts take you. Where have your thoughts taken you up to this point? Have you had negative thoughts or thoughts of doubts or thoughts of fear? Has this contributed to anything in your life? Can you think of having thoughts of love and where that's taken you? Often thoughts of love will not only take us to places that are much happier, but they take us to places where we learn the most. We learn about ourselves. We learn about human nature. We learn about our strength. And that's why I want to spend the entire episode just talking about how to get ourselves to that place so that we can be in that energy of love always. So that these thoughts that we're thinking today will lead us exactly where we want to be tomorrow. I just want to start with a couple different theories and research studies about the impact that our state of being, that our mental focus, that our consciousness can have on the world around us. Because we're doing this not only for ourselves, we're doing it for the people in our lives, for our worlds. The first theory that I want to address comes from Dr. Hawkins, and he developed a scale of consciousness. He's pretty popular, so you may have heard of him, and if you have, then this will be a great little reminder of why we should stay in a loving energy. And if you haven't heard of him, then I do encourage you to look him up. What I'm going to be talking about today came from his book, Power vs. Force. So according to Dr. Hawkins, we as humans, we all live in vastly different levels of consciousness, and he actually used muscle testing to test this in people, and he rated 
the different levels of consciousness, starting at one being the lowest level and going all the way up to a thousand. And he distinguished between two types, I guess, of consciousness as either being a consciousness that is positive, one of power, or one that is negative, one that's force. And that's where the name of his book, Power Versus Force, came along. And I'm going to just briefly go over the different levels because it's very interesting. You'll get to see where love actually fits in on this scale. But anything that is above 200 is a positive or power state of consciousness. And anything that is below 200 is a negative or force type of consciousness. The lowest levels on the scale are shame, which is given a numerical value of 20 out of 1,000. And then guilt and apathy, grief fear, desire, anger, pride. And where the 200 is, is right around courage. And that's when it starts to flip to higher levels of consciousness. And then you get into neutrality, willingness, acceptance, reason, and then love comes in right around 500. Above that is joy, peace, enlightenment, which is 700. And then all the way up at 1,000 is divine grace. And so on this scale, the love that he's talking about is that unconditional, unchanging, and permanent love, one that doesn't fluctuate, that doesn't depend on outside factors. This type of love is a loving state of being. This is what I want to talk about. This is what I want us all to try to foster. It's forgiving. It's nurturing. It's supportive. It's not intellectual. It's not cerebral. It's not in your head. It radiates from you, from your heart space. So it's not something that you can talk yourself into, but it is something that we are going to use our minds to try to get into that loving vibration, which we'll talk about later in this episode. And there's actually, you could probably YouTube it or just look it up online if you want to test to see where you are now. There's actually a way that he suggested you test to see where your level is, and you do it by looping your fingers together. It's kind of hard for me to explain through a podcast, but if you are interested, then I definitely encourage you to check that out. This book came out a while ago, and in 1995, uh, Dr. Hawkins wrote that only about 15% of the world's population is above a 200. And remember, that's kind of like the level that is between the negative and the positive states of consciousness. Only 15% are above that 200. Most of us are vibrating in fear and doubt and shame a lot of the time. And yes, we might have loving thoughts, but a lot of what underlies all of our interactions and our decisions are those lower vibrations, the doubt and the fear, the guilt. But he introduced what's known as the counterbalancing effect, in which he stated that people who are vibrating at a higher level can actually counterbalance multiple individuals' energetic levels, their level of consciousness. So for example, he said that somebody who is vibrating around a 300, so just right above, I think that's like the acceptance level, can counterbalance 90,000 individuals below 200. Somebody vibrating at that unconditional love can counterbalance 750,000 individuals vibrating at that below 200 level. And they even did studies where they put monks and enlightened beings who are vibrating around that 700 level into cities and they studied things like crime rate and even pollution and they saw a decrease 
Now, again, this is all something that you can look up on your own. I just wanted to touch on it. And the reason for me to bring this up is to share with you that you working on yourself, you working on shifting your mind space and your heart space and your energetic or your consciousness level will not only impact your life, but it it can impact your world and a lot of other people in your life. I know that we all come from different places on how much of this like energy stuff that we really buy into, but just think of somebody that is just really naturally loving and caring person. Can you think of anybody like that in your life? I can think of a bank teller at my local bank She's the nicest person, and for some reason, they only put her on during lunch hour where everybody tries to go to the bank really quick, and so you're standing in a long line, and you want to get in and out, and, you know, I'll be sitting there getting frustrated, and then every single time, without fail, that I go up and I interact with her, I feel instantly better. She is just a kind, good-hearted soul, and that, to me, is enough proof that it does not take much. In that moment, took that one person because she is coming from such a space of love that no matter what frustrations I walked into that bank with, when I was in her presence, I couldn't think of them. So a second study that I want to talk about is another popular one, and it was done by Dr. Emoto in the 90s, I believe, where he wanted to test if words and prayers and music and environment could actually change the structure of water. So what he did was he stamped this distilled water, I think it was twice distilled water, with different phrases. So positive words or positive affirmations or even played positive music or, you know, a positive prayer over it. And he, he had a photographer take pictures of the crystalline structure of that water compared to the crystalline structure of water where he stamped with negative words, such as hate or I hate you, you are a failure, you know, attack kind of words. And again, you can look up these pictures online. Uh, it's Dr. E-M-O-T-O. If you haven't seen the pictures, they're really cool. Everything that was stamped with a positive phrase or a prayer was just beautiful. They looked like snowflakes. And the ones with the negative affirmation or statement on it were clustery and just kind of icky looking. And so his theory is if words and thoughts that come out of us have this effect on water crystals, It is amazing to think of the kind of effect that they can have on people and events of our lives. So it seems pretty apparent that our emotional state really plays a role in our own perception of reality and our stress levels and our happiness, but as these studies suggest, it can actually affect our world. Now, our true nature is love. When you look at a baby or a small child, it's hard not to see the love that they share with their parents and their siblings and their peers and their stuffed animals. We were all like that at one time, but then the world began to harden us up. And I want to read a segment now from a book called The Mastery of Love that really talks about this process of how we come from this pure loving state and then what happens in our life that really takes us away from that. And I love how he puts it because the analogy is kind of weird and kind of gross (laughs) whenever you think about it. So it really grabs your attention. And the author writes, 
I want you to imagine that you live on a planet where everyone has a skin disease. For two or three thousands of years, the people on your planet have suffered the same disease. Their entire bodies are covered by wounds that are infected, and those wounds really hurt when you touch them. Now, of course, they believe this is normal physiology of the skin. Even the medical books describe this disease as a normal condition. When the people are born, their skin is healthy. When around three or four years of age, the first wounds start to appear. By the time they are teenagers, there are wounds all over their bodies. Can you imagine how these people are going to treat each other? In order to relate with one another, they have to protect their wounds. They hardly ever touch each other's skin because it's too painful. And if by accident you touch someone's skin, it is so painful that right away she gets angry and touches your skin just to get even. Still, the instinct to love is so strong that you pay a high price to have relationships with others. Well, imagine that a miracle occurs one day. You awake and your skin is completely healed. There are no wounds anymore and it doesn't hurt to be touched. Can you imagine yourself with healthy skin in a world where everyone has a skin disease? You cannot touch others because it hurts them and no one touches you because they make the assumption it will hurt you. If you can imagine this, perhaps you can understand that someone from another planet who came to visit us would have a similar experience with humans. But it isn't our skin that is full of wounds. What the visitor would discover is that the human mind is sick with a disease called fear. Just like the description of the infected skin, the emotional body is full of wounds, and these wounds are infected with emotional poison. The manifestation of the disease of fear is anger, hate, sadness, envy, and hypocrisy. The result of the disease is all the emotions that make humans suffer. All humans are mentally sick with the same disease. We can even say that this world is a mental hospital, but this mental disease has been in this world for thousands of years. And the medical books, the psychiatric books, the psychology books describe the disease as normal. They consider it normal, but I tell you, it is not normal. When fear becomes too great, the reasoning mind starts to fail and can no longer take all those wounds with all the poison. Humans live in continuous fear of being hurt, and this creates a big drama wherever we go. The way humans relate to each other is so emotionally painful that for no apparent reason, we get angry, jealous, envious, sad. To even say, I love you, can be frightening. But even if it's painful and fearful to have an emotional interaction, still, we keep going. We enter into relationships. We get married. We have children. In order to protect our emotional wounds and because of our fear of being hurt, humans create something very sophisticated in the mind, a big denial system. In that denial system, we become the perfect liars. We lie so perfectly that we lie to ourselves and we even believe our own lies. We don't notice we are lying. And sometimes even when we know we are lying, we justify the lie and excuse the lie to protect ourselves from the pain of our wounds. 
The denial system is like a wall of fog in front of our eyes that blinds us from seeing the truth. We wear a social mask because it is too painful to see ourselves or to let others see us as we really are. And the denial system lets us pretend that everyone believes what we want them to believe about us. We put up these barriers for protection to keep other people away, but those barriers also keep us inside, restricting our freedom. Humans cover themselves and protect themselves, and when someone says, you are pushing my buttons, it is not exactly true. What is true is that you are touching a wound in his mind, and he reacts because it hurts. When you are aware that everyone around you has emotional wounds with emotional poison, you can easily understand the relationship of humans in what the Toltecs call the dream of hell. From the Toltec perspective, everything we believe about ourselves and everything we know about our world is a dream. If you look at any religious description of hell, it is the same as human society, the way we dream. Hell is a place of suffering, a place of fear, A place of war and violence, a place of judgment and no justice, a place of punishment that never ends. There are humans versus humans in a jungle of predators. Humans are full of judgment, full of blame, full of guilt, full of emotional poison, envy, anger, hate, sadness, suffering. We create all these little demons in our mind because we have learned to dream hell in our own life. Each of us creates a personal dream for our own self, but the humans before us created a big outside dream, the dream of a human society. The outside dream, or the dream of the planet, is a collective dream of billions of dreamers. The big dream includes all the rules of society, its laws, its religions, its different cultures, and ways to be. All of this information stored inside our mind is like a thousand voices talking to us at once. The real us is pure love. We are life. The real us has nothing to do with the dream. But the dream keeps us from seeing what we really are. When you see the dream from this perspective, and if you have the awareness of what you are, you see the nonsense behavior of humans and it becomes amusing. What for everyone else is a big drama, for you becomes a comedy. You can see human suffering over something that is not important, that is not even real. But we have no choice. We are born in this society. We grow up in this society. And we learn to be like everyone else, playing nonsense all the time, competing with mere nonsense. Imagine you could visit a planet where everyone has a different kind of emotional mind. The way they relate to each other is always in happiness, always in love, always in peace. Now imagine that one day you awake on this planet and you no longer have the wounds in your emotional body. You are no longer afraid to be who you are. Whatever someone says about you, whatever they do, you don't take it personally and it doesn't hurt anymore. You no longer need to protect yourself. You are not afraid to love, to share, to open your heart but no one else is like you. How can you relate with people who are emotionally wounded and sick with fear? 
And again, that is from The Mastery of Love, A Practical Guide to the Art of Relationships by Don Miguel Ruiz. It is a very good book. I hope you enjoyed that little snippet and you can get it on Amazon. I'll just link to it below if you did want to check it out. You can also get the YouTube. I'm pretty sure it's the whole book or most of it. You can get it for free on YouTube. So if you like audiobooks, then you can check it out there. You know, so us as humans are walking around with these emotional wounds. And I loved how the book gave such a good visual of that. Yet we're still trying to love one another. We blame others for our hurt when really they often just touched one of these wounds. We build walls to protect ourselves from developing more wounds. Yet as humans, our nature is love. We are only hurting ourselves by shielding love from entering and exiting from us. But how are we supposed to protect ourselves if we allow ourselves to open? We open ourselves up for vulnerability. And how can we come from this place and heal our wounds when everybody around us is still walking around with so many poisonous wounds? How can we be a force of love in a world that shows us so much poison, so much hate and anger. We essentially have two choices here. We can go along with how the world naturally tries to shape us, being affected negatively by the actions of others, even when others' actions rarely have anything to do with us. Remember, we're just trying to all shield ourselves from these wounds. So that's choice number one. Or choice number two is we can shift ourselves. When we shift, we do this for us. We take back our power by telling others we choose to love because it just feels a lot better. It makes our lives a lot better. It makes us happy. And it really doesn't matter what anybody else chooses to do. If you lived on a planet where everybody had this terrible skin infection, would you say, you know what? I have this ointment to treat mine but I'm not going to worry about treating it because everybody else has it. No, you would say, give me that ointment. Let me treat myself. And then once I'm healthy, then maybe I can share this ointment with others. But you have to go into it with a mindset, recognizing that, you know what? People can continue to hate. They can continue to be angry. They can continue to block us out and try to protect their own wounds. And that's okay. We are not going to be a participant in this game though. Nobody ever wins that game. The only game we can actually win is one where we take our power back over our own happiness and we start to heal all of those emotional wounds and we begin to live the life we deserve to live, a life filled with love. Okay, so this sounds great, but where do we even start? It can seem so daunting when we have a lot of ingrained and habitual thought and behavior patterns that lead us away from love. We naturally judge. We naturally compare. We're naturally envious of other people. We don't feel good enough on our own. We want to wait until everything in our lives is just perfect before we feel like we can even focus on becoming centered and stable and focus on our emotional well-being. Now, this mindset seems very rational, and I'm sure a lot of you were kind of nodding your head when I was talking about that. Like, yes, I'm just not in a place right now where I have time or energy to focus on that. It's on the bottom of my to-do list. 
But this kind of mindset that seems so rational really only stems from self-defeating thought patterns that want to keep us stuck. The same ones that pull us away from love every chance they get. So the first step for you to take so that you can step into this place of love is simply to say no matter where you are in your life, it is the perfect time to start this journey. And I want to plead my case really quick for saying this. When you think about it, it takes just as much time to love as it does to hate. It takes just as much time to think judgmental thoughts as it takes to think loving thoughts. And it takes just as much time to get sucked into a rabbit hole of negative or anxious thinking as it does to become aware of some negative thinking patterns, catch them, and replace them with loving ones. You don't have to go on a two-week-long retreat to refocus yourself. It's going to take the same amount of time and energy as you are spending now to heal yourself as opposed to keeping yourself stuck and just feeding into the wounds and spending all this energy trying to protect the wounds and then if somebody touches them, trying to touch their wounds. And over time, you'll recognize that these old negative patterns take more energy because love just gives you such a better high-frequency energy to, to live from. So once we realize that it is the perfect time, then we just set the intention within ourselves, and you can say it out loud so that the universe hears it as well, that we're ready to shift into a new loving energy. And whenever you set that intention, you can begin to embrace a completely new paradigm for your world and your life. Okay, step one's pretty easy. Just say yes, it's a good time. You know, I recognize that it's not going to require time and energy. Like, I can just start it now. I don't have to wait. I can start it right now. Then the next step is also really, really easy, but it will take continuous effort. Don't be frightened by the word effort. As I just mentioned, it's going to be no more effort than what is required to feed into the old negative thinking patterns. It's going to feel like more effort because it is different. It's not more effort. It just feels harder because it's something you're not used to. So we are eliciting change and your ego doesn't like change. And I've talked about this before on the podcast. You know, the ego tries to throw these little tantrums when we try to shift the way that we think and the way we view the world. Your ego is going to try to tell you it is too hard to stay in a loving state. It's going to try and suck you back into old patterns. It will tell you all the reasons why you shouldn't even try. But these are not truths. They're simply your ego fighting against you're changing. And the less attention you really pay to it, the easier it will become to fight it. So you don't want to go into battle like guns blazing, you're going to fight your ego. No, it's like a little kid. Just don't feed into the tantrum and it's eventually going to tire itself out. All right, so you know you're ready. You're prepared to lovingly battle your ego when it throws a fit. The first real step is to just become aware of your natural thoughts. And we talked about this a lot in our mindfulness challenge. So I'm not going to go over it again. If you didn't go through the mindfulness challenge, then I definitely encourage you to at least go through a couple of those episodes because mindfulness and awareness are essentially the same thing. But bringing awareness to your natural habitual thinking patterns instantly takes our power away. And it can even be helpful to label them. So just saying hmm, okay, that is a judgmental thought. And this is actually something I took from Louise Hay. I, I don't know what, if it was in one of her books or talk I listened to, but I want to give her credit because Louise Hay is awesome. And she suggested labeling them. So, well, that's a judgmental thought. Or 
that's an abandonment thought or that's a thought that's saying I'm not worthy or I'm not good enough. When you label them, they become powerless over you. It makes them separate from you. Just because you thought of something does not mean it is a part of you. It does not define you as a person. It is simply a thought. And I like to think of them as little like a black fly that's like flying around your head. It's so annoying. And like you can swat it away and then it comes back and you swat it away and it comes back. And you're like, oh my gosh. Now, if that was happening in real life and there was really a fly there, you wouldn't say, you know what? I think this fly is a part of me. I should just accept it. No, you're going to keep swatting it away or you're going to get up and move so it doesn't bother you anymore. Envision those thoughts in the same way. They're not you. They're separate. You can define who you are, who you want to be. These thoughts that pop up do not. And as you gain awareness, you can choose to align with the lower energy thoughts if you want, or you can make the conscious decision to align with love. So it has personally helped me to state either aloud or just in my head, I align with love or I align with a higher vibration. And when you say something like this, just send love. Send love to yourself, to other people, to situations. Use all of your energy to focus on shifting rather than putting your attention on what you do not like. Do not put all your attention on that black fly flying around your head. Shift to something that makes you feel good. Something else that's going to help raise your vibration just throughout today and and all of your days going forward is to practice sending love out. So you want to send it when you're driving or you're walking. Just quietly send love to every person you pass. And this might seem really odd at first. It's going to seem uncomfortable and your ego is going to want to question if those people actually deserve it. Do not pay any mind to what the ego says and send love anyways. It doesn't matter. Who are you to deem if somebody else deserves love? Send them love. It's not hurting you. It's not hurting the situation. It's not hurting them. It's bringing more love into the world. So another situation that you can practice sending love and raising your vibration is if a friend or someone in your life told you about a tough situation. A lot of times when you hear about a tough situation, you instantly want to get upset or you feel bad or maybe you just feel angry. How dare the world wrong my friend? Instead of these feelings, immediately send them mental love. Because that's what we all need is love when we're going through hard times. Yeah, we might want to throw a fit and you might want to get really angry and release that energy because things aren't fair sometimes. But imagine that you're just energetically giving them a hug and you're helping them. You're helping them a lot more with that than you becoming angry too because then you just have two angry people. Just doing little silent acts of love will drastically improve your mood and your outlook. We're not doing this to feed our ego to be like, oh, I'm a loving person and you're all not or let me show you how loving I am. This is something that you're just doing. This doesn't mean that you can't tell people that you love them. If you want to tell the people in your life that you love them more, by all means, go for it. But come from the right space. You're doing this for you. You're doing this for our world. You're not doing it to feed your ego or to make you feel better in in some way. 
But just doing these little silent acts is going to drastically improve your mood and your outlook, and you're going to begin to notice love in all situations. And once you align yourself with this uplifting energy, you will begin to see your own life in a very different way. So for today, and hopefully every day going forward, just become aware. Catch any unloving thoughts. Detach yourself from them. Remember, they're just those little buzzing, annoying flies. And focus on realigning with love. Send love to as many people and as many situations as you possibly can. And by the end of today, just notice how you feel. I would be willing to bet that you will probably feel really good if you're able to stay in this space. You will probably feel uplifted and lighter and almost like a weight has been lifted off of you. Well, this experience is going to be very different for everybody, of course. But even after one day of doing this, you will begin to notice a difference. You're going to begin to notice how your old thinking patterns pulled you down. It put that weight on you. While living from a place of love is creating a whole new experience, a whole new perception, a whole new reality for you. And now there's also a meditation that's going to help with this. It's going to kind of help set your intentions and you're going to be energetically sending love out. It's also going to really help prime your subconscious to come from that loving space. So I definitely encourage you to check that out if you haven't already. And that's all I have for you this week. This is the final episode that we are focusing on love. I I did this because, you know, it's a cliche that February is associated with love and all that kind of stuff. But I really want to prime ourselves and prepare ourselves for what's to come this year. I feel like January was a lot of like purging old stuff and and February was kind of coming into that place within ourselves we really want to be. And so going forward, I really want to focus on just growing into that person that we we all are deep down inside and discovering that happy life that we all want. So I wish you a wonderful, wonderful day. I'm sending you lots of love right now. And I will talk with you next week. Thank you for listening to Mindful Mondays with Rachel, a mind, body and spirit entrepreneur production. If you enjoyed today's episode, head over to www.mymbse.com for more free resources and trainings. Don't forget to subscribe rate and give us a review and join us next week for a brand new meditation and reflection.